Today's reading is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 31, and it can be found on page 890 in the Bible. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. 
He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, in, increased in numbers. This is the word of God. Thanks be to the Lord. Great. Thanks, Ratna, for reading. Thanks, everyone. That's better. Great. Why don't we pray together? Father, thank you that you are the living and speaking God. Please speak to us now as we uh, look at your word together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Yeah, let's keep this passage open. Here's the clicker. All right. A few uh, weeks ago, I think earlier this year, Billy Graham died. A very famous evangelist. I think what is nice about him is that he was not controversial. You know, everyone liked Billy Graham. There was no one who kind of hated him. There were influential Christians, Christian leaders who, who were not like that. I don't know. Um, Hillsong. What do you think when you think of Hillsong? My guess is some of you think, yeah, great music, powerful worship. Others of you think, well, dodgy theology, uh, those kind of things, right? Not everyone. Hillsong is controversial. Um, Kelvin, the other side of the spectrum. A very famous theologian from the 16th century, and some people love him, and others hate him. I don't know how, uh, yeah, what you thought. How about this guy, though, from today's passage, the Apostle Paul? Uh, he was, uh, of course, very influential. He wrote half the New Testament. Uh, many people think he's a hero, right? He wrote Romans. He's an amazing church planter. And yet others think he's not so popular, certainly outside the church. I guess you will often hear, you know, Paul invented Christianity. Uh, they say there, you know, there was this nice Jewish teacher, Jesus, who told people to love each other. And, and then Paul came and he made it for everyone, for the Gentiles, and he made Jesus the Son of God and all that stuff. I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, yeah, Paul was very influential. Uh, even as Christians, maybe... We say, well, that's not true. And yet Paul is not the most popular uh, writer. I don't know, some of the things he said, his, you know, his ethics, uh, wives submit to your husbands. Jesus never said that, we say, well, only Paul. Or stuff about sexuality. You know, it's usually Paul's letters. And so there are some Christians, you know, I wish we could just stick with the Gospels and we didn't have Paul. Right? I like Jesus' teaching, not Paul's. I'm a Jesus Christian. Maybe some of us here are, yeah. We, we don't like Paul that much. We have some explaining to do. And actually, you know, Paul, yeah, he's always been like that. Even in the first century, not, not his ethics at that time. But, you know, Christianity really changed, right? Here was a Jewish sect. You know, the Jewish Messiah from the Jewish scriptures. And then a few decades later, it was mainly non-Jews all over the world. What happened, you know? And this guy, Paul, it's like he was the main guy behind it all. He was the influential leader. Yeah? But is this really the people of God? Is this really the true, uh, the true religion? And so Acts, yeah, it spends a lot of time on Paul. 
why he is like this. What happened? I think that's good for us. Maybe you're here as a visitor. You don't know much about Paul. You have your doubts. Maybe as a Christian when we are not sure. But also just to see Jesus here in action. I hope this will spur us on. So let's see what we see. What, uh, this is his conversion, of course. It's so important. It's three times in Acts. Three times the same story is told. Chapter 22, 26 must be important. Right? But uh, what really happens? Well, we can, what do we see of Paul here? We don't see that he's a brilliant strategy, strategist or this hardworking church planter. He was all those things. Now, why was Paul the person he was? Why was he this influential leader? Well, he was the Lord's appointed man. The Lord's appointed man. If you see this chapter, it's very clearly all from Jesus. It's his initiative. He makes it work. It's about Jesus, not Saul. If you're wondering, uh, Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name, if you have questions. And I say the Lord, because that is what Jesus is constantly called here. Especially this dialogue with Ananias, right? Verse 10, the Lord called to him. Uh, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him. Uh, verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered. But verse 15, the Lord. Jesus here is the Lord. He's the boss. He's in charge. He's the guy who directs. Uh, Paul was not looking for Jesus. No, Jesus was looking for him. And he took him and turned him around. I mean, if you don't know what he was like, maybe you weren't here last week or earlier. Well, you can see in verse 2 what Saul was like. Uh, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, uh, Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Uh, he was getting Christians imprisoned. In chapter 7, the first Christian gets murdered, and Saul is kind of approving that and you know, supervising that. He was, uh, well, he was a great enemy of the gospel. But then, yeah, Jesus had other plans. First of all, uh, um, his appearance, how he appears to Saul. Uh, Saul is just going there to Damascus. Let me read 3 to 6. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. And now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Uh, this, well, it knocks him off his horse. That's often the picture you see. You know, this huge flash, and, and Jesus appears to him. And, of course, it's a big shock. Who is this, this man? Uh, well, I'm Jesus. Whoa, Jesus is he's alive. He's not dead. He's... He's, he's raised, you know. He's been trying to get this Jesus movement stamped out, but here is Jesus appearing to him. Uh, you may wonder, wasn't he persecuting Christians? Well, Christians and Jesus, you know, they're one. But, yeah, Jesus just blasts Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And now go to the city. I'll tell you what to do. Uh, it's not just a strange vision, not just a hallucination. He's blind for three days, something really happened. The Lord appeared and turned him completely around. And it was not that he was this interested seeker, 
and you know someone came and did Christianity explored with him and you know please become a Christian you know Jesus just steps in and it's his initiative and of course it's so hard to believe that Jesus also has to arrange his acceptance by the church you know what if Saul suddenly showed up in church what would you think imagine you're this church in China meeting in secret and then you hear a knock on the door and you look out the window, who's there? Well, uh, <laughs> my guess is you wouldn't open the door, right? <laughs> uh, Hi, I've become a Christian, let me in. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah? And so, yeah, Jesus gives Ananias this vision. Yeah? This disciple in Damascus, just having a normal day, and then the Lord gives him a vision. Ananias, go to, uh, yeah, go to the streets and find this guy called Saul and lay your hands on him. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done, you know, <laughs> really. Verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Hey, go, this is from me. And Ananias, well, he obeys. Uh, verse 17, Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, yeah, he, uh, he heals you. Brother Saul, amazing, isn't it? Here was the great enemy of the gospel, and now Ananias says, well, brother Saul, this is from Jesus. I have to accept him, my brother. It's amazing what the gospel can do, but I hope you see this is the Lord doing it, right? It's not Saul's initiative. It's not Ananias' initiative. This is just Jesus. I guess if you're a Christian, I hope you know that's in your life, right? How did you become a Christian? I know it wasn't me looking for Jesus. It was Jesus looking for me. But actually, it's not just that Saul became a Christian. The big emphasis is not really on that. Why did Jesus appoint Saul? Well, it's for the Lord's mission, right? He is not my chosen instrument for salvation. Verse 15. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And he's chosen to go to the Gentiles and to go to all those people who so far have been excluded all around the world. You're, this is my man who's going to take the gospel everywhere. And also to the Jews, he does this as well, but first of all, to the Gentiles. That's his job. And, you know, that is what's going on here. What did we see last week, if you were here? The gospel going to Samaria, these kind of half-Jews that no one liked. And Jesus went to them. And next week, he goes to Cornelius, really to the Gentiles. And so, clearly, Jesus is so involved in, yeah, his mission to bring the gospel to everyone. And that includes appointing, yeah, his main spokesman. So this is really about... Jesus' mission, right? He is in charge of his mission. He is there last week, you know, sending Philip here and sending people there, and then now he's appointing Saul, and next week he's sending Peter and giving a vision to Cornelius. You know, Jesus is arranging his mission. And, uh, yeah, we see, it, uh, we see it in action then too. As soon as Saul is converted, verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, directly he gets involved and then later he goes to Jerusalem it's the same 
clearly Jesus worked, right? What he did, it's effective. Saul is becoming this great missionary. Also a great sufferer. It was not just a mission. I guess Christians, Christian leaders, we follow Jesus and we follow him also in suffering. So verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's not a kind of punishment. You know, this is what he did and I am going to punish him. It just, you know, as a Christian will suffer. That's a whole other topic. But that happens to him as well, right? Uh, people are trying to kill him in Damascus. And so he's kind of lowered in a basket through the city wall. A real adventure. Should, I, mean, I think they made a movie of Paul recently. Um, would be fun to watch. And then later in Jerusalem, again, they tried to kill him. But, uh, yeah. Saul, the Lord's appointed man for the Lord's mission. Hey, it's very clear Paul didn't become this great leader by himself. It's all from the Lord, from Jesus. But, but what should we do with this? You know, it's a cool story, but it's quite unique. I didn't get a vision from Jesus. I don't know about you. Maybe you're here, you're wondering, should I become a Christian? Don't wait for Jesus to kind of zap you on the road or something like that. What should we do with this? Well, Luke writes at the start of volume one. Uh, Acts is volume two of Luke and Acts. This is one aim he has. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You know, the gospel has gone through some big changes. You know, from just Jesus in Jerusalem to this worldwide thing. Everything that's happened, everything about the gospel. We need certainty. And so I think... This kind of chapter should give us confidence, you know, confidence in the Lord, confidence in what he's done, what he's doing. First of all, well, confidence in the Lord's apostle, at least, right? Paul is Jesus' appointment. He is really an, an apostle. And those people who say, well, you know, he invented Christianity, he wrote half the New Testament, he had a huge impact, that's true. But it was not his own initiative. That was just Jesus' plan all along, that Paul would do that. You know, this, what Paul writes is real gospel, real Christianity, real Christian living. Uh, it's not like sometimes you get an email or you read an article and it has this disclaimer. You know, the, the views represented here are not necessarily the views of the organization. That's not with Paul. Paul is really from Jesus. Uh, we should treat his words, I don't know, I have this, uh, this Bible here. Uh, it was the first Bible I bought here in Hong Kong. I like it, but I don't like the red letters. I don't know if you have a red letter Bible. It kind of suggests that, you know, Jesus' words are more important than the others. You know, Paul's words are, are Jesus' words. It's all God's words. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not wrong to have one, but just so you know, it's all God's words. Right? And so we, we can trust it. You know, we can preach it. We can proclaim it. You know, these are real words from Jesus. Maybe you struggle why Paul says certain things. Hey, that's okay. You know, there's plenty of things in the Bible that are hard to understand, hard to live out. Ask someone, uh, dig deeper. But our basic stance, our basic attitude should be, you know, this is God's word. This guy, Paul, he didn't hijack things was Jesus' appointment. 
And maybe you're here as a visitor and you wonder, well, you know, this is just the Bible saying it. It's, it's circular. You know, Paul really was a historical figure. You have to explain these letters, though. You know, how come that about 100, about 70 years after Jesus, Christians were circulating Paul's letters and, you know, treating them as God's words? How do you explain that? Paul must have been there, right? People were alive who had met Paul. Clearly, this guy was real. And then you have to wonder what happened to him. How did one guy become such a driven church planter and someone who suffered so much? You know, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, you read what he went through, how often he was imprisoned and beaten. What made this guy so convinced? He must have had something happen to him, right? What happened to take this Pharisee and make him like this? And yeah, I think Jesus appeared to him. It's just, it's a historical fact that this guy had a great experience. But that is, that's Paul. I, I hope this gives you confidence in Paul. But looking more widely, I hope you have confidence in the Lord's mission. Yeah, because this chapter is about Jesus directing, controlling his mission. You know, the gospel going everywhere, the gospel not leaving anyone out yeah, to, to every group of people in the world. And clearly Jesus is in charge. I mean, if Paul could really hijack it, then and Jesus wouldn't be worth following, right? If, if Paul could just take Christianity and completely change it, and the original is lost. No, that's not the case. Jesus is really, you see him so active here for his mission. And you see what that does for people, right? If they know, well, Jesus is behind it, look what they do. And look at Paul, right? He really knows, okay, Jesus has appointed me, he's behind me, and so he goes and preaches that Jesus is the Son of God straight away even when he uh, gets death threats. Look at Ananias. He very clearly knows, God wants me to, Jesus wants me to do this, going to Saul, well, it's Jesus' will, and so he does it, brother Saul. And we see people who know Jesus is involved, Jesus is behind this, Jesus is active in this, and so I'm going to play my part, right? Jesus is directing his plan, and so we're not acting alone. And so even though we don't have the same experiences that they did, right? we don't have the same visions, we know we've been appointed, right? Jesus has told us all, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, the gospel's going to go to Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, through the church. And so we should know, you know, <laughs> Jesus is behind this. As we're trying to reach out, as we're trying to, you know, have a friendship Sunday and do Christianity Explored and all that stuff, and you're trying to, you know, reach your friends and colleagues, <laughs> that's not just you having your own initiative. Because it makes us reluctant. Eh? Is this really what Jesus wants me to do? Is he really behind me when I try to invite my colleague? Maybe we can feel like that, and we, we're afraid. And, well, I mean, there's lots of reasons to be afraid. Maybe you feel ill-equipped get trained. You know, you come to the training. Uh, maybe you are worried what might happen to you. Sure. 
but a kind of fear. Is this really what Jesus wants me to do? Is he really with me, behind me? Well, you see these chapters and you know Jesus is behind you. You know Jesus is way ahead of you in kind of bringing the gospel to everyone, right? And so play your part, right? You can be confident in this mission. What holds me back, I wonder? What holds you back? What makes us reluctant? It's not that Jesus is uninvolved, right? Jesus is so involved. Confidence in the Lord's mission. And I hope that is what we'll take away, you know? It's a, a ch- series called O Church Arise. We're going to sing that later. Uh, you know, let's be active. Let's bring this wonderful gospel to everyone. Because it is a wonderful gospel. Because we're, before we're going to sing that, we first have communion, as you probably know. And I think this is also there for a chapter to just stop and realize God's grace. If you see this, we can be confident in the Lord's grace. Because I think this is mainly about souls, you know, commissioning, soul becoming a missionary to the Gentiles. But, you know, Jesus does lots of things with his enemies in Acts. You know, Herod in chapter 12, he's not saved, he gets killed. That could, Jesus could have done that. Had this guy persecuting my church, taken him out. Instead, Jesus made him a Christian. Jesus turned him around. And that is not just, you know, a job. Jesus forgave him. Jesus took him in. And and this is such a great enemy, right? This is the guy who's been persecuting Christians, the guy who's been supervising murders. How could Jesus do that, right? After all that Saul did, how could Jesus just take him in and make him his. That Ananias has to say, you know, brother Saul, this guy deserves death. Absolutely. Yes, Saul did that. And he deserves death. But the amazing thing about the gospel, as you know, Jesus took that death. Jesus died on the cross. And he took there the punishment, you know. And that even someone like Saul could be forgiven. And later, Paul reflects on this in 1 Timothy. You know, Jesus came for sinners, and I'm the worst. I'm the worst sinner there is, if he looks at his past. But Jesus had mercy. And, you know, Paul says he made me an example, an example of grace, of mercy, that Paul could save, God could save even him. In many ways, Paul stands out in these chapters. He's not an outsider. He was a Pharisee. And in other ways, it's just like the others. This, how could this guy ever be saved? But he could, because Jesus died for his sins. All the things that he did wrong, all the things we did wrong, you know, Jesus took that and paid for that, and now he welcomes his in. And that's wonderful. And where do we see that? We see it in the cross, and we see it in a moment here, you know, as we take the bread and the wine, and we are reminded, Jesus body broken for us Jesus blood shed for us the price has been paid soul could be forgiven we can be forgiven so in a moment as we have communion yeah let's reflect on that grace and as we remember how great this news is let's let's proclaim it let's bring it to others okay the music team is going to come up
and we're going to sing this uh, song by uh, John Newton, Amazing Grace. John Newton was just like Saul. He was a slave trader, you know, very despicable sinner.